0: loses control of the puck and goes to the far board. Here's Jarrell with a turnaround shot,
1: deflected to the backboard on the left side. Martin pokes it out in front. O'Shea, a shot and a goal! Welcome to A Shot and a Goal, part of the On The Air Podcast Network. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 49 of A Shot and a Goal, the podcast about hockey broadcasters. My name is Jake Baskin. I would like to make the announcement to those who never read my tweet that I will not be recording any new episodes for the foreseeable future and the last four I'd already done at the time I reached this decision will be the last four of A Shot and a Goal for now. I did a lot with this podcast. I had some fun, made some good connections, and now I'm ready to take a step back. I'll do a more formal conclusion at the end of episode 52. In the time since the last episode, I actually have called a championship game, or at least a do-or-die division championship in the playoffs, the Northeast Generals are East Division champions in the North American Tier 3 Hockey League, and I got to work with Brett Shobbs on the do-or-die Game 3 against the New Jersey Titans, with the winner moving on to the Fraser Cup in St. Louis. That is the first and possibly only time I've ever had some semblance of a scripted or at least partially scripted call. I never rehearsed it, just thought about what I was going to say in my head. Unfortunately, some of it was cut off, but the line I had in my head was not. I'm going to do some more hockey this year at the NAHL level, same team, but I'm fully in spring sports mode as well, and I'm trying to land a job for the summer. One more year of school after this. The guest today is a return of the Great White North, and the first guest from the Western Hockey League. Les Lazaruk has been the broadcaster for the Saskatoon Blades since 1994, and is one of the most recognizable announcers in his league, with his various catchphrases after goals. We talk about that. Now, Les and I recorded this in February. I am so bad at releasing these while I'm still in school. But he's been working in the WHL's East Division bubble in Regina, Saskatchewan. So we get some bubble talk again, as we are probably approaching the end of this being a regular thing. It's a short interview today, but it's a fun one. I always like interviewing people who have been in the business a while. This is Les Lazaruk from the Saskatoon Blades, on episode 49 of A Shot and a Goal
0: backhand and now the blades chip it free and on to it is davidson doc called down in neutral ice referee says play on davidson in over the line drops it for floorchuck floorchuck goes wide on top ruskey. trying to step in front save made Birkin, rebound doc shoots scores a winner winner chicken dinner kirby doc's second goal of the hockey game is the winning goal in the overtime period
1: Hi and welcome to episode 49 of A Shot and a Goal, part of the On The Air Podcast Network. My name is Jake Baskin and we return to the Great White North today. Our first guest from the Western Hockey League, from the Saskatoon Blades, Les Lazaruk. How's it going, Les? I'm good, Jake. How are you? I'm pretty good, just sitting in my dorm room on this Monday, doing prep <laughs> for the games I have to do this week.
0: Well, and it's... Uh... Probably a lot better weather-wise there than it is here. We're, right. although, mind you, you know, a week ago, if you'd have asked me, I'd have been able to have told you we were experiencing minus thirty temperatures and wind chills that made it feel like it was minus fifty. But uh, we're back around freezing now. It's around thirty-two degrees uh,
1: Fahrenheit, zero Celsius. So it's, it's it's a lot better these days than it has been. And then you're maybe a little bit worse. I'm in New England, so the weather it's been snowing a lot in the last few weeks. But uh, yeah. I, I yeah definitely not uh, Saskatoon right now. Um, <laughs> the WHL season starts in a few days as of the time of this recording and will be well underway by the time this gets out. What will your setup be like this year and how does it feel to be working again? Well, I'll answer the second
0: part of that first. The fact that we're going to be going back to work and doing play-by-play uh, is, is huge. It's 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 both Mentally, a big deal for me personally. I think uh, just the fact that you know, ever since things were shut down back on uh, March the twelfth of last year, and it'll be for the Blades a full year plus by the time they play their uh, next game uh, after that. Uh, it's it's massive for me and for the team and for everybody involved in the Western Hockey League uh, in the East Division. Uh, it, it's going to be huge to be able to get started again just because of the mental aspect. Uh, there's obviously for the players the idea that there's the development aspect of it as well, getting a chance to play in front of scouts, getting a chance to uh, have a season, getting an opportunity to show themselves and either get recognized by National Hockey League teams, university teams for recruitment purposes, or just even getting a chance to play minor professionally down the road. That's the big thing for the players. For a guy like myself, just the idea that I'm doing what I want to do, that what I'd like to do, more so than what I'm forced into doing right now, um, that that becomes a huge, huge thing for me. So I'm, I'm looking very much forward to when the first Blades game is played uh, sometime in uh, the middle of March, I guess.
1: Going back to the beginning, when and why did you first realize you wanted to be a sportscaster? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I've been doing it, first of all,
0: for... 40 plus years. So I'm an old guy and I go back quite a, quite a while. Uh, I go back, uh, actually I was going to be a newspaper writer first and foremost. Uh, it was something that go takes me back to high school in the late 70s growing up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, and so that was the whole idea was going to be to be a, 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 a newspaper writer, a sports writer. And I actually started in that vein. I had the opportunity to work as a uh, as an intern with the Winnipeg Free Press, which still is in existence today, uh, back in 1979, uh, when my internship ended, I ended up catching on with the Winnipeg Tribune, which was the other broadsheet newspaper for about, oh, 10 months or so, until they actually folded in 1980, in the summer of 1980. And then after that, it was, okay, you're 21 years old, what are you going to do with yourself in the rest of your life? And the suggestion was made: Why do you try radio? You got a good voice, so I ended up doing that. I ended up catching on in Brandon, Manitoba, uh, which is a city of about forty thousand, a couple hours west of Winnipeg. So I had to move out of house um, and go out on my own, and then get into a new career entirely. And I've been at it ever since. It's been forty plus years that I've been in radio, almost consecutively. Uh, a couple of hiccups here and there with different things that have happened in my career, but uh, been pretty much. Doing that. And uh, the reason why you get into it is just because you have a, a, a passion for sports and a passion for being involved and being where the action is, so to speak.
1: Since you got into the radio field, take me through what you've done for those of us who maybe aren't familiar with you
0: okay two and a half years of working in Brandon from 1980 uh, October 1980 through till uh April of 1983 I was the I did news in sports for the first two months and then our sports director left I took over the sports directorship uh we didn't have any rights to any teams back then to do play by play so it was basically everyday sports reporting on what was going on locally, and there was a lot. We were expected to cover a lot of the local sports, not just Brandon, but the whole Western Manitoba area. So there was a lot of different leagues, a lot of different teams that we were expected to keep in touch with, a lot of different sports we were expected to keep in touch with. So that was a a good training ground for myself. Uh, My last winter in Brandon, we tried to be the whole voices of the Brandon Week Kings of the Western Hockey League. It didn't work out. So we took on university sports and Brandon university had a very good men's and women's basketball program and a very good men's hockey program. Uh, We started doing their play by play every weekend. We would be doing a Friday and Saturday game for one of those three teams and wherever they happened to be, whether it be on the road in various places in the great plains athletic conference uh, or going on, we ended up at two different national championships and one uh, conference championship with the three teams. So it was a very, busy year and a lot of fun uh that took me back home to winnipeg and i worked at cjob radio which is widely renowned in the winnipeg and manitoba markets as probably the news and sports information station i worked there for 10 years from 1983 until 1994 and then when an opportunity to be a play-by-play uh radio announcer for a team uh came along it was here in saskatoon and i grabbed at that in the summer of 1994, and I've been there ever since. It's been 26 seasons. We'll start my 27th season doing Blades hockey coming up in less than a month's time.
1: That's awesome. I shouldn't say this, but uh, you've been calling him since in the WHL since before I was born. <laughs> That's, it's not unusual to say that.
0: I, I don't take uh, offense to that because when I consider that there are players in the league now who are sons of players that were in the league when I first started doing Blades games in 1994. Yeah, I, I guess that's, that's just the way it is. That's been the, the longevity that I've had, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, you know that, that, to me, is, is something uh, good for what I've been able to accomplish over the course of 26-plus seasons.
1: So which announcers or media personalities have made the biggest imprint on your career and on your style? Uh, Biggest ones would be the late Ken Nicholson
0: was uh, the play-by-play guy for the Winnipeg Jets back in the WHA days from 1972 through 1979. Uh, As a kid growing up, uh, back then I would have been anywhere from 13 to 20 years old when the WHA team was playing, and I went to a lot of games, but I also listened to a lot of games, and it wasn't unusual for me to go to sleep with the team out on the West Coast and have a... um, pair a set of earbuds and uh, attached to a transistor radio and listen to the call of Ken Nicholson uh, from the road, from wherever the jets may happen to be uh, rather than sleeping and getting the sleep I needed to continue with school. But um, yeah, Ken Nicholson would have been one of them uh, guys that were on television, hockey night in Canada back in the day, uh, people like uh, Bill Hewitt doing Toronto Maple Leaf games on hockey night. in Canada, Danny Gallivan was the guy that did Montreal Canadian games. And even though that, despise the Habs, uh, I, I really had a thing for Danny Gallivan and his style, he, he, he really brought the game to life, uh, as far as I was concerned, for a television viewer on Hockey Night in Canada, and a lot of things that he has, I've tried to incorporate into what I try and do.
1: For someone who hasn't heard you, describe your broadcasting style to me.
0: Uh, very upbeat, very much like a fan, I would say. Uh, and I have a lot of little uh, signature type of things that I will say and do in the course of a game that a lot of people have glommed onto uh, as time has gone on. And uh, I guess those would be the things that I'm known for. Very, very enthusiastic though, I would say is what my call is about.
1: Okay. You talked about your goal calls. I <laughs> have gone through a few samples and one of the things you say a lot is, Hey, hell, let's go. Uh, how did you come up with your goal calls, including that one? Are you just a big Ramones fan?
0: Well, I'm not a big Ramones fan, although it is obviously from the Ramones tune. But that one actually was also utilized as as a tune on a beer commercial. And you'd see that beer commercial come up quite often in the course of watching live sports on TV in Canada back at the time. And I just thought to myself, you know, hey, first goal of the game for the Blades, that would be a great saying to have for first goal of the game so why not
1: okay that works for me what are some of your other catchphrases
0: oh there's i mean i've got one pretty much for uh, every different goal that is scored so uh, there's a hay for goal number two there's uh you know oh sure for goal number four there's booyah for goal number six the bullet score in a game um The one that I think that's gotten a lot of uh, attention of recent, because you get so many overtime games, if the Blades happen to score a game-winning goal in overtime, it's winner-winner chicken dinner, which was big in uh, pop culture a few years back. Uh, You remember Harry Carey with the Chicago Cubs doing Cubs win, Cubs win? Well, if the Blades win in a shootout, it's Blades win, Blades win. So those are the sorts of things that I've picked up as time has gone on.
1: Do you ever think about incorporating... New catchphrases or like, do you, what I guess I'm trying to ask is, do you ever hear something and think, oh, that would be a good catchphrase. Let me try to use it.
0: Yeah, I have. Uh, it's usually, and, I, and I've got them in mind for when the Blades happen to score, say, maybe 11 or 13 in a game. It doesn't happen all that terribly often, obviously. But uh, I'm trying to keep something in mind in case we get to that situation. And it happened a few years back where I had to have 12 of them. uh, And so I ended up having – I had the 12th one in mind already. So, But the 11th one, I can't even remember what it was to tell the truth. But uh, it was something that was something I had heard earlier. And I thought that would be a good one to have. And, bang, I had to use it one night in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, when the Blades scored 12 in a game.
1: I'm not really a catchphrase announcer. Doesn't really fit with how I am naturally when I'm off the air. But uh, I was watching a baseball game on ESPN Classic, and the guy's home run call was over and out. This was a game from the 90s, I want to say the Texas Rangers. And, and the announcer, when the Rangers hit a home run, that ball is way back, that ball is over and out. And, you know, I did. I haven't got the chance to do much baseball in the time since I, I first heard that in the summer of 2019 for obvious reasons but i've started using that as my home run call so i understand
0: yeah well, that's a good one i like that one uh there, there's a lot of good ones for 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 home runs uh for baseball um jesus come up right uh and actually i think uh, somebody actually said it was a trucker special over and out uh so i mean that was one way of doing it um that's what was done on highlight reels uh that people would use when doing when you call it when describing what was going on uh with say the blue jays up here in, in Canada uh you'd see that on a national sports uh, show. the guy would be doing the highlights would say here comes a trucker special over and out uh, hit by so and so yeah that's that's uh' Those sorts of things are, are cool and if you you've got to be able to utilize them in such a way that they're you know they're're they're, they're, they're fresh and yet they're not don't become stale after a while and i think the fact that if you have different ones it's probably not a bad idea to rotate them through
1: yeah I agree I've been experimenting with this podcast for so many uh for so many episodes now and I think I have to change at least something different every five to ten episodes because it feels it does get stale for me Um, during normal times what's your setup do you cover every game home and road travel with the team all that
0: yes yeah uh i mean i work for the radio company the saskatoon media group and have ever since i was hired by them in uh september of 1994 and you know still do a lot of things with the radio company as far as news and sports goes uh but when we're in normal times non-covid times uh come the fall and and into wintertime yeah it's uh it's a 68 game where it was when i first started 72 games you'd be 36 games on the road 36 games at home you're expected to be at all of them and uh you know you do pre-game shows and you'd have anywhere from 15 minutes in the beginning to we've done upwards of an hour now in the last little bit uh and then do the game and then help out with the post game and you do interviews post game. And at home, there'd be live opportunity for fans to actually sit in and listen close up and see the kids, see the coaches and, and just has to, you know, interact with them uh, either before or after they've been on air with me, that sort of a thing. So yeah, that's, that's been part and parcel of the, of the deal. And just, you know, however many thousands of miles I've put on in the course of uh, the career, it's, it's, just been a part of it. It's, it's all bus miles. It's not uh, It's not a lot of flying. In fact, there's no flying. The only time you get a chance to fly in the Western Hockey League is if you happen to be in the league final, and then they uh, get a charter aircraft and fly both teams together on the same flight back and forth between games.
1: That sounds brutal, especially if you're going like from Saskatoon to Portland or something. Well, you,
0: only do, you only do that once every two years, so it's not that bad. You only make one trip across the mountains uh every season so you play five games you either go to the u.s division uh portland seattle everett tri-city spokane one year and then the next year you go to the bc division and you play the five teams there and you do that one fell swoop, and you're gone for two weeks so it's not that bad um it's it's something that i've gotten kind of used to there's some you know, three games in four night type of trips that you make uh, within your division or within your conference otherwise. But yeah, for the most part, they're, they're they're in back type of trips and uh, they're not too bad.
1: How much do you interact with the players and coaches both before and after COVID? And how and how much do you try to build relationships with them? Uh, I think it's hugely
0: important to be able to create uh, relationships and to be able to talk with kids, uh, and coaches, uh, a lot. I mean, prior to every game, I've got the head coach on the air, so I've had a chance to talk with him, uh, you know, for three to five minutes, while, uh, you know, on the record, on, you know, for, for the pregame show. And then, of course, there's the, ch- the idle chit chat before and after, uh, you, you get a chance to do that with the assistant coaches before I go and see him usually uh, just to get a sense of what's going on with the team and gives me a better idea of what to ask. Uh, there's always at least one player interview done prior to a game. So that's always important. Nice to be able to interact with the kids that are doing well uh, and you have a reason to talk with them. And then post game, you're always talking to the kids and coaches afterwards um, who are patting Good games, and uh, you know, it's always usually a pretty light, fun atmosphere. Especially when they win. When they lose, it's a little more uh, door, but uh, you know, it's it's still a lot of fun. I think it's very important to be able to have those relationships in order to uh, create trust and respect for what's trying to be done both ways. And you always try and you know make sure that you're being, you know, available and yet not trying to be overly intrusive with how you, career, with how you uh, deal with these people on a game-by-game game and day-by-day day basis.
1: I want to know about your relationship with other broadcasters. Do you interact regularly with the guys who call it games for other teams? What kind of stuff do you talk about? Because broadcasters are really the only ones who know exactly what broadcasters do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I do a lot of that. <laughs> uh, this whole thing, going, getting ready to go into uh, Regina, Saskatchewan for the hub, uh, I've been talking with all the broadcasters within our division at some point or another. There are seven teams, uh, just to get an idea of what everybody's going to do. Are they going to go into the hub with the team? Are they going to go back and forth between their cities and uh, maybe spend the odd night in a hotel and uh, and do games that way? Because there's going to be chances to do that sort of a thing. Uh, it's going to be wholly different. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing interviews, not one on one. know face to face it's going to be a lot of zoom calls and recording of that sort of a thing in order to get done what we need to get done uh so that'll be interesting um but yeah it's uh i talk to the guys a lot and not just in our division but even outside the division i want to see what's going on i want to find out if i'm going to some place and you know maybe they've changed their They're set up for a visiting broadcaster. I want to know what exactly I'm getting into before I get there. And, you know, some of them I've just known for a long time and then want to catch up and see how they're doing.
1: So I've talked to a couple other people who have worked in hockey bubbles. I've talked to Alex Heinert, who was in the college hockey bubble in, in the NCHC in Omaha, Nebraska. I've talked to John Forzlin, who was in Toronto during the NHL playoffs. So what do you expect out of, working in that Regina bubble, what are your, I guess, expectations, hopes, goals for being in that setting? Well, okay, so I know that what's
0: probably going to happen to me is I'm not, like in all likelihood, I'm not going to go into the hub and stay at the University of Regina dorm. That doesn't sound like it's going to be the plan for me. The idea will be to drive down only a two and a half hour drive from saskatoon to regina Uh, prior to the start of play uh, whenever there's games back-to-back nights or with one night off in between i will stay in a hotel in regina if there's two days off in a row then i will probably come home uh, do laundry say hi to my wife and my dog and then drive back and be able to be ready to go again. So there's going to be some travel back and forth. There's going to be a lot of hotel stays. There's going to be a lot of downtime sitting in a hotel, trying to, you know, get ready and prepare for your next game, Uh, prepare. uh, And I don't even know, there's been the talk of me even helping out doing some other teams games just because the broadcasters aren't going to be able to be there for the entire time, or they're not going to be able to go at all. So there's still a lot of questions to be answered with how the Regina hub is going to work. But I know right now the hope is for me is to be able to do all 24 blades games over the course of 48 days and, um, and be there all the time when I'm needed to be there and get away whenever I can in order to uh, take a little bit of a break. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm keyed up and ready to go for, for this, for this seven, eight weeks that it's going to be coming up uh, in March.
1: So you're a veteran of the Canadian Saskatoon WHL broadcasting industry. You've been at your job since your early 20s. How long do you want to keep working? And I guess as a follow-up to that, what do you love most about working in junior hockey? Loaded question, but that's what I'm going with.
0: Okay, I think I'll answer the second part again first. Uh, What I love the most about it is just the, the, the relationships you build. And I think you'll hear that from players, you'll hear that from coaches, you'll hear that from executives. You meet a lot of people and you get a lot of contacts and you get a lot of great friendships and relationships come out of those things. So to me, that's what really drives me more so than anything else. I love the junior hockey because they're still young and they're still pretty innocent. And for the most part, they you know, they're anxious to prove their worth, and uh, you're getting the best effort out of them pretty much every time you go out there. It's a lot of fun to watch and call and be a part of. So I really enjoy that part of it. Uh, I, 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 as far as how long I want to do it for, well, the cryptic answer would be, well, I still have an, a mortgage to pay and other bills yeah. to pay, so I guess as long as I'm able to, uh, I will continue to want to do it until I'm able to, pay those things off uh, I'm 62 I just turned 62 years old I don't have any plans to retire nobody has said to me yet you're done get the heck out until they do that that's probably when I'll probably be done and even then I'm hoping that uh, if, if they tell me that here at Saskatoon Media Group one day in the not too distant future that I'll try to find some way to continue to do what I do through the team itself uh, and that's that there that's been met with some positive response in the past so i'm hoping that that could be the case as long as my voice holds up, as long as my health is good uh jake i i I thoroughly expect to be doing this for quite a while longer it's going to take a it's going to take something really severe and and sudden to to knock me out of the booth as far as i'm concerned
1: well Les, you're a man after my own heart and i think if i (laughs) if i have uh If I have the career you've had, or even a percentage of it, I think I'm in pretty good shape. Les, uh, that's all the questions I have. Thank you for coming on this show and taking uh, time to spend with a 24-year-old college student. Have a great day, and I hope you enjoy yourself in the bubble.
0: Well, Jake, it was a a pleasure to do this. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for the interest. Uh, I've done a lot of these sorts of things, and the one thing I can tell young broadcasters is Take all the experiences you can, uh, don't be afraid to give it a try and, uh, you know, and, and do some different things. And don't be afraid to go and try different marketplaces, no matter how small, no matter how big. Make yourself known out there and and you'll be surprised at what ends up happening. The podcast is a great thing that you're doing because it's ultimately the way the direction the business is going in. So it could be a, a springboard for you to something bigger down the road. But thank you again. And the questions were great. and The conversation was great. So we wish you all the best, Jake, as you move forward.
1: That was Les Lazaruk, voice of the Saskatoon Blades. Thanks to him for coming on. And I apologize once again for being late on the release. I hope he's having a good time in the bubble, and it really sucks that there's going to be no Memorial Cup this year. That's one of my favorite tournaments. That'll do it for episode 49 of A Shot in a Goal. My Twitter account is jakebaskinpxp. Next up will be the milestone episode 50. You'll hear from Andrew Smith, the voice of the ECHL's Indie Fuel, Austin Rook, and Clay Matvick to follow after that. See you next time.